didn't have a... They had zero yeah. for uh, dummy files. That's good. Dummy files. So they're, they're learning. Did Brimson score? Brimson did score, yeah. Fuck. They had Williams. White scored, a, got a double. Who did I need from the Raiders? George Williams. Oh, fuck. He always scores. Yeah, but this time, White got a double. Fuck it, you pick one half and goes the other one. And one of one of my multis, one of my multis, where all of them got up by one. Only one of them. Yeah. Yeah, so and it was the first leg, so it killed the whole thing anyway. <laughs> so that's a lot of pressure on me. Man, absolutely there's a lot of pressure on you this week, but that's okay. We're here, we support I'm you. I'm and, uh, I support the roosters. I support the best, the people that like pressure. And you've got to just get up there and step up to that plate. And just put it all out there and just do your boys proud. And that's all you can do. That's all that's also all we bloody do. We're due for a win. We're due yeah. for something juicy, something big anyway. Yeah. Anyway, I'm going to kickstart the show today. Um, there's something I want to talk about, but I'm just going to tell a little story. Back in 2014, you and I, uh, we actually went on a trip around the world, you could say. Uh, and for the first six weeks of that trip, we ventured over to Central America. It was you, myself, and two of our mates, Skippy and Tim. Shout out to Skippy and Tim. You know, listening all over the world. We've got a listener in South Australia now. and We've obviously got an avid listener over there in the UK. Uh, but we've got plenty of avid listeners over there in the UK. Anyway, us four, we went on a trip. We went to Central America. We traveled through, started off in Mexico. We ended up finishing around Panama. Um, but... And we stayed in plenty of hostels. We stayed in, uh, you know, the Bigfoot hostel with the volcano boarding. We stayed in Pachamamas, which shows the, a, um, a pool party crawl, you could say, something like that. Yeah, that was um, quite an adventure. Yeah, but three days. So the first, we stayed in a, a resort in Mexico. And then three days into that, you Googled... We went to go to Playa del Carmen and we Googled a hostel in Carmen. The first one that came up was Hostel Playa del Carmen. So yeah. I pull into this hostel. I take two steps into this venue and I looked around the place and I said to you guys, if we stay here, this would be the best hostel we'll stay on the entire trip. All three of you guys looked at me thinking, what's it on about? Oh, big call. Oh, there's, you know, there's going to be heaps of other hostels. Now, we went through Mexico all the way down to Panama, through Honduras, Belize. Uh, we went to Costa Rica. We stayed in many a hostel. And it was an early call, big call. But there was not a better hostel that we stayed at than the hostel that we stayed at in Playa del Carmen. That includes when we went over to Europe, when we first landed in Barcelona. We had a couple of hostels that we stayed at. That, Great experiences. That was the best hostel we stayed in for the entire five months that we were traveling around the world. Now, I called that and I called that early. Now, Saturday afternoon, the Gold Coast and the Titans are playing. It's 10, sec 10 minutes into the second half. There's a little kick in through uh, from the Canberra Raiders and the Titans actually get a 20-meter restart. Now, Jamal Fogarty manages to pick up the ball. He, he takes off and he catches the Canberra Raiders a little bit off, uh, off the mark here. So he gets his 20 meters restart. He takes the tap and he's away. He manages to get past the first defender, away from the third defender. All he can see now is the goalpost and the trial line. Nothing's stopping him. 
besides Big Poppy, who comes out of nowhere. Now, I know it's only 2020, but I'm going to say right here, right now, that effort there, that play right there, will be the biggest effort and the biggest play of the decade. Now, I said it. I said it right here, right now. There won't be a bigger play than that. Just like I said with that hostile planned outcome, there won't be a better hostile than we stay at, than the one we stayed at three days in the It was a big play, though. And while we didn't have a lot of front row tries, we did have some big front row plays. And uh, And this is just another example. Best front rower in the game. That's why he's the best in the game. It's just another example um, as to um, showing his dominance over not only just the game, but the rest of the competition, how he is the best front rower running around at the moment. So, you know, it's something that you sort of touched on earlier on the year, but it's been continuing. And we're front rowers, so we, we notice this stuff. We, we take note in these big we plays. We appreciate these But this is the stuff. year of the front row. 2020 right. is the year of the front row. Now, wouldn't surprise me if he bloody gets Dally M of the year or just properly. Hey, well, he's the reason why you can't count the Raiders out in this premiership run. He is, he, he is one of the big reasons why the Raiders are still a shot, even with Josh Hodgson engine. Um, and that's, that's a big kind of swing for a, for a player. So... You know, he's exciting to watch, isn't he? And he loves scoring tries. And he's the leading front, front row try scorer this year as well. He's got two, two men tied up with him, uh, Hamlin Ueli and uh, Fasur Maliawi, uh, all, all tied up on four. Who, who would you back if you added those three to finish as the top try scorer for the front rowers? Just pop the lead. I think he's got a double in him. He's got a double in him. Yeah. Well, okay, I guess that's going to have to be my run-up straight this week. It wasn't a negative, it was a positive, but uh, yeah, that's my run-up straight. It's a big call, and it's Popoliti, best effort of the decade. Bang. What about well, you? I'm, uh, you mate, I'm actually, I'm, I'm going to be a, a, a little bit more along your lines. I'm going to run it straight, and it's a positive as well. I'm feeling sort of a bit buzzing. I was, uh, I know a couple of weeks ago, I, I sort of ranted a little bit about the scrums and my... Uh, distaste for the unorganized inconsistencies of it. We obviously had some plans. Uh, but over the weekend, there was a, a lot of great moves off scrums um, and just more more attempts to sort of take advantage of the exact reasons why they say they should exist. And, you know, Thursday night, there was plenty of great scrums. I was watching again. I'm like, man, this has been great off the scrums. This has been fantastic. So uh, I just want to commend the players out there. Um, there was still some sloppiness. There's still a lot of social distancing that going on at the scrums. Um, they're, they're quite far away from each other. It's more of a, a little light finger touch. Uh, but look, play on. So respect to that. So they're coming back. They're coming back. All right, do we get any front row tries this week? We've got a couple. Um, uh, Josh Kerr, a first try scorer as well. Uh, he got over early for the Dragons. Uh, when we when early on we thought that was going to be another romping, and uh, Tavita Totola in a in a hide and do nothing against the Manly Sea Eagles. So well deserved try from Totola. We were we talked about him last week and what he did with his uh, front row partner there in um, getting South in position to kick that field goal. So it's always great when they get off the off the duck and get that try. Yeah. We love those meat pies, mate. We don't get many because they bloody deserve it. All right, now with the with the dummy file this week, I. I I noticed that there were no dummy files. It was actually Connor Tracy. He actually enters the no dummy file himself. 
uh, for scoring out of dummy half. But I'm, I'm starting to feel confident that my message is getting out to the players that this is a file that you don't want to be a part of. Now, in, in retrospect, now I don't even know if that is the right time to use that term, retrospect, but in retrospect, I feel like we've got, um, we've got a few guys in the file now and, you know, you guys are starting to listen. The players are starting to listen. So what I'm going to do for the players, and this is my, now, I don't know how long this is going to go for. If you guys are on good behaviour, we can extend it for the rest of the season. But if you guys come out next week and take the, the SA out of it, I'll have to go back. What I'm don't go off do, early. What I'm don't go off early, week. Is I'm willing for the rest of the season. No, I'm not going to say for the rest of the season, but for this next week, because you guys didn't have any in the fall, for next week, we'll see how you guys go. I'm only offering warnings. Now, if you can keep the warnings to a minimum, we'll continue it on for the rest of the season. You'll get a warning before you enter the fall. Now, it's going to be a lot harder for us to keep track of you bastards, but I have faith that the message is getting you out there, and I want you guys to not have to be doing these dummy files anymore, all right? So, because there was no on the weekend, you guys have heard warnings. But if there's too many this weekend, that'll be the end of the warnings. All right, folks, you listening? Keep up the good work. Wise words. Wise words, wise words. Now, anyway, speaking of wise words, we've got a wise man, Sydney Roosters legend, one game away from the club record, but he's not a man of our records, as he said in the press conference today. Um, you know, Anthony, Anthony Minicello has the record for the most games at the Roosters, but our man, Mitchell Orbison, is announced his retirement at the end of this season. Uh, so it's going to be a big loss for the Roosters, but he's done. he's been a, a magnificent servant for the club. Uh, how, how do you feel about that announcement? Yeah, look, it's uh, you just feel just so proud to have had all those in your life as a Roosters <laughs> fan and as a rugby league fan, to be yeah, honest. Because exactly he's, right. he's the epitome of a teammate. The epitome. And look, he's foregoing surgery on that when... I saw Solomon had trampled him and pulled his torn ligaments in his wrist. His rehab, painkiller and injections, I'll get surgery when I'm done. Because he's there to support the boys. He's like, I'm still hungry for one more. So, yeah, look, he's just a, a, the, one of the greatest to never play Origin, I think, but most definitely. Like, he's just a, a representative. He, perfect in that utility role. The epitome of a guy who can play anywhere. And anywhere he did play. The, the, I think what made him so, what was so relevant or so, which epitomised his career was the, the 2018 grand final, really, was when he was named at seven. Mm. And it just, through not a big spanner in the works, but it was one of those plays where it looked like it was a mind game. It was a double bluff. It had everyone asking questions about it for the whole week. Uh, you know, we had you and I talking about how he will play at seven and, and what he will have to do to play at seven. And and the fact that it was him named at seven, it wasn't anyone else, is the reason why it could have been a story or reason why it could have created such a stir. It was because yeah, exactly right. he was always the player that always filled in everywhere. And now on the biggest stage, he's going to fill in for the best halfback of his generation. 
Yeah. That's what he's got to do. But yeah. that's who he is. He can fill in to any position, to any role, to do whatever he needs to do if that's what he's asked to do. He's filling wherever you need him. So, yeah, he's a testament to a, to a great rugby league player and a great – just a footy player. He's just a footy player as well. Footy yeah. player, great teammate, great club man. Um, you know, hopefully we can send him out, uh, you know, in a bang, in the bang he deserves. Absolutely. The way that he deserves. Now, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about the Roosters a little bit later on. We also got our match in focus for next week, but I just want to go over the, the two matches in focus from, from this week. Yeah, from early uh, in the week. Yeah, the, f- the first one was... Uh, Parramatta uh, versus Storm. Storm, yeah, correct. 14 nil to the Eagles. What do you think? Yeah, so, yeah, look, uh, a, a win that Parramatta needed and had to. You know, you would have thought if, if the Storm were able to get them with, with that many guys out, you know, they were missing six starting players, including three of their spine. Um, so, if the Eels were to lose that, you know, you'd sort of question their, their you know, their, yeah, their medal. Go the distance this year and, and really be a threat. So um, they got it done. It was wasn't pretty, um, but their defence held strong. Um, credit to the Storm; they're a very good defensive team as well. You know, so they they're always going to have that system built to be. You know, you get, they're not going to beat themselves. Um, but it wasn't. You know, it didn't blow this blow your socks off. What Parramatta sort of threw up, but it, it's, it's a bogey team for them as well. They struggle against Melbourne. Yeah. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Um, one of the things that sort of Blake took out of that game, which I think now hit the nail on the head, was he learned more out of Parramatta that week than he did out of Melbourne, and more in a, in a downside for Parramatta. He realises that after that win, I know it's a win, but he doesn't think they can win the comp anymore. Yeah, maybe not. Like they just they, they still don't seem to have a lot of points in them at the moment. They, they seem a little bit. Um, like they, they're gritty and from fighting games, but they've kind of lost a bit of direction and flair. Like Sid Moses hasn't been the same since he came back from injury, and Gutho's always going to be awesome. But there's just there's a link missing, and they're just not they're not as polished. They don't seem as polished as the other teams. Yeah, you know when you look at the other sort of three or four teams at the top there. Yeah, do you think maybe the eighth immortal is sort of um, for lack of a better analogy, overcomplicating things there, Parramatta. I don't think it's, you know, a, a coaching problem. Maybe they're just, you know, they're just not quite there yet as what their team is. Like they came out, like, let's not forget, you know, they came out looking great and they, um, over these first, you know, it's been 15 rounds and I say over the first eight rounds, they looked great. And, but they... They sort of have slowed now down a little bit in sort of, you know, how dominant they've been able to be over other teams and teams you think that they should. And sometimes there's one game, there's a flat spot, and then it's like, okay, well, maybe you're just not as as great as maybe it was that role that you had before. You kind of sort of have kind of lost that a little bit. And let's not forget Dragons teams of the past, famously looking fantastic in June and missing the eight or, or scraping in by the end of the year. So, you know, hopefully they haven't sort of, Mistimed any, you know, a little step off their run. Maybe it's a different training. I don't know. You know, yeah. it's hard. It's hard to tell what it is, but they they definitely need to find something because they just don't have that dominance in being able to put points or what um, points on the board. They've struggled well, to get scored. Away. Put they haven't scored away. points in in a few weeks. Yeah, you know, it's not also a bad sign. Like you, would rather be um, winning gritty than winning pretty. Absolutely. You want to be able to do that because you can always rely on your defence. So, um, 
big test against the Panthers in a couple of weeks. And then obviously they've got, you know, um, you know, a, a test next week against the Bunnies as well. Yeah. So, well, speaking of the Panthers, really, speaking of the yeah. Panthers they, they, they had the Sharks at our other match in focus. What did you think of that game? Yeah, oh, Panthers, how good are they? They are just on fire, aren't they? Yeah. They are on fire and nothing is stopping them. They're just having the best time. And yeah, it just went too good for the Sharks. They're just having along. I don't know. No, Sean, once Sean Johnson was out as well, like they're just there's the kicking game and um and you know that's all the sort of point creation as well. So. Yeah, yeah, he has been um, up. The would have been tough enough. Would have been tough enough with with Sean Johnson in the side. I don't know how much it would have mattered, but um definitely not not going to help him without him. So. Yeah, you sort of looks like the Panthers have just got this run. You're just sort of looking at the moment, going, you don't know when they're actually going to get, when the next game they might lose. At the moment, you know that's kind of how they're playing. You know they don't look like they're going to drop a game. So kind of a bit like the Sharks when the, in '16. You know, you know when they were just on a run, they were just winning games of footy and they were just rolling. And then they did have that. They ended up dropping a couple of games at the back end of the year, and then I think they lost four of their last five. Four of their last five. Yeah, yeah. Because they won 13. The Sharks, the Sharks won 13 in a row. They finished third. Yeah. They won 13 in a row. So they were like 13 and two or something. Um, and then they just sort of dropped a few games, but then I think maybe won the last one or the second last one. And, and obviously, you know, they got through and won the title. So um, it's, it's a funny old adage, you know, that when you think about, do you feel like you need to drop a game? You know, we've had this conversation before, Wick. You know, if you're on a hot winning streak, do you want to drop a game before the finals? You say, you say yes. Why, why, do you, why do you sort of normally lean towards yes? Well, I don't, because I don't believe that you want to be losing any finals game. You can lose a finals game and still win the comp, but it, it makes it very, very difficult. Um, and so I don't want to lose. I don't want to lose a game in the finals. You want to win three games in the finals. Obviously, if you're in the top four, and yeah. then you win the comp, obviously with that. So with that in mind, you don't want to be carrying more than ten matches into the finals, ten wins in a row, because, like you just said, you said Cronulla won thirteen in a row. Now teams have won more than thirteen in a row before, but very rarely. Yeah, and so that—that's just why I think you don't want to be going into the finals with that many wins in a row under your belt because it's difficult. It's difficult to keep that streak going once it gets to a certain yeah. point. It's like the opposite. It's the reverse to the sales mentality of uh, the every no you get is bringing you closer to your yes. Well, it's but it's more in the sense that. I, you don't, we don't learn anything as much from our wins as we learn from our losses. Now, granted, you don't want to be just learning losing. You need to learn how to win. But, you know, that win, you know, can sometimes uh, sort of sharpen up some areas where you might, have, might, be, might be papering over with wins. Now, when you're winning by 20 or 30 points, you know, you're doing pretty well. Um, and with this record of, like, they haven't conceded a point in the first 20 minutes of a game this season. All season. All season. No, not all season. Restart since the restart. Since the since they come back from COVID. That's what I mean when I say the season. I'm like Robo bro. The COVID season started, the season started in May. Um so yeah, all season. Thirteen rounds. 
haven't conceded a point in the first 20 minutes. Phenomenal. They're fucking rolling. But look, I've got a, I've actually got a good example for your case in 2015 for the Roosters. Yeah. We won 12 in a row. Into the into final. The, into the finals and then lost to the Storm. No, they didn't. In 15? 15. Oh, there you go. Are you sure? Didn't we lose just before the end of the season? No, we won 12 in a row, bro. Oh, well, there you go. Didn't we get... Granted, we did actually lose Hargraves and Mitchell Pearce in the last couple of rounds of the season. So, you know, that's, you know, that's a whole other thing as well. You lose key guys, then you're yeah. gonna, it's going to be tough. So that's what's been obviously a good luck for the, for the Panthers so far. They haven't had a lot of big injuries. They've had a couple of guys who have been out, but not too many. Like just Toto and um, Kate Capewell have been the main sort of longer term ones. And Dylan Ed was out for a bit, but it, it just hasn't mattered for him. They're just dominant. Liam Martin, how good is he? He's just come in and just slotted straight into that edge roll. Could be. Like, when they lost Capel, I thought that's a loss because Capel was a beast. Could he be but a loss? Liam, Liam Martin is a beast as well. Could he, he be a loss uh, for New South Wales? This year? Yeah. There's a lot of back rowers. There is a lot of back rowers. I, I, I could see, I could see Boyd Gordon having origin off this year. Seriously? Yeah. Yeah? Well, I just think uh, the Roosters might have spoken to him and said, well, you can play Origin if that's what you want to do. And that's fine. But let's, let's look at who you are as a, as a person. And let's see what you could do with yourself if you were to have the summer off or the break off. So then, yeah, just have, have, yeah, what, have a break and then you play come back next year. Yeah. That would be that would be big. Well, who would be the other? The you've got um, Wade Graham, and you've got Wade Graham. You got Angus Crichton, Angus Crichton, Ryan well, Madison. Right, Angus Crichton may be better than than Liam Martin, but we just said he's a beast, and he's a beast for a reason. Yeah, and so he's probably playing. You know, I suppose his team's winning and Frizzell's team's losing. So he looks like he's playing better than Frizzell at the moment just because he's doing yep. But he's also yeah, contributing. Do you know what I mean? Like, so when your team's winning and you're contributing, then that's why, it's, that's why you sort of stand out a bit better. Uh, Wade Graham obviously has more, you know, more appeasing or pleasing on the eye for you to watch. But again, Liam Martin is in a team that's winning and he's in contributing to a team that's winning. So I'm not saying he's... He's the first pick. That's why I'm calling him a bolter. You know, with his form. And we know what Freddie's like. He, he's going to pick the four players, the ones that are exciting him. Uh, he does, you know, he's from Penrith. He does have a soft spot for Penrith. Is it soft enough to give this guy a chance? Maybe not, but I'm just saying he could be the bolter. And I, and I just think Boyd Corden is not going to play Origin. I don't think it's very sensible for him to have, how many weeks off has he had now? Six. Feels like six to eight weeks off from his head knock like to come back, weeks. and then to if he has an opportunity to have a break, I think it's almost in the best interest as a game to maybe just give him that time off if he's going to come back this year. You know, like even even really, he probably for them to give him eight weeks off, it is solely six to, or six. Sorry, I'm six. not sure. I don't know the number that came to my head was eight. Is to solely have him 
prepared for this campaign. Now he can be prepared for this campaign, but yeah. I also think it's taken into all his, uh, you know, his niggling injuries and and all those things all together. I just feel as though if you're doing that now, you probably should also do that at the end of the season as well. That's big call, big call. Yeah, I know. It'd be, big, it'd be a big, 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 it'd be a bold move, you know. Um, obviously, if it's for your health and safety, then that's there's a lot of things that come into that. Obviously, like you say, um, especially when it comes to head injuries. But still, for a, for a guy, especially as passionate as Boyd Cordner and the captain, to yeah. sort of, you know, I, I won't be playing this this season would be would be huge. Yeah, and also another thing that you've got to consider as well is it's. It's three in a row. Now, I know I'm making it sound like he's a bit of a pansy that he can't play three origin matches in a row, but no one in my generation has ever done that. One. Yeah. Played three origin matches in a row. And then two, we know as a game, anyone who knows rugby league to the extent that we know it as, are aware that he is, he's always, you know, been very played under, you know, duress. Well, yeah, he plays so... The way he plays, he just plays so hard and physical and just has no respect for his body. So he's, he's, always, he's always got something hurt. And that's what part, part of what makes him as, you know, as special as he is because he just has this extra gear that he can go to because, you know, he's just tougher up here, yeah. you know? So um, yeah. that has its toll. It has its yeah. toll. Yeah, we, do, we do have um, uh, the basketball that we are going to touch on. We're in the playoffs. And we are going to get to our little match in focus, uh, which will be for next week, which is going to be Thursday night match. I think it's Parramatta versus the Rabbitohs. Yes, Parramatta versus us. Yes, yes Parramatta versus the Rabbitohs. So we'll talk about that match in focus. So. But I want to have a chat to you. And I apologise. You know, if you guys don't want to listen, that's fine. Be gone. But I want to chat to you, Kaz, about how the Roosters are shaken up heading into the finals. You know, you and I, we sort of touched on it quickly. And then I said, leave it. We'll, we'll chat more about it. Uh, but uh, I just see that, you know, we, we had a good win on the weekend against the Tigers. Granted, they're not in the top eight, but it's always a good test to, you know, if you can get a good performance against the Tigers, I feel that's a good gauge for us as, a, as the Roosters. It's a good gauge to see how we are actually sat against the, the Premier, uh, the, in the Premiership. And we, we sort yeah. of put a number on them. We had Brett Morris come back. And we had Hargraves come back. Yeah, look, it uh, obviously came out of the blocks hard, fast. And then, you know, they sort of found their way back in the game. They had a lot of the ball and, you know, sort of blew them away again. I sort of, uh, I sort of felt, it was felt good. I, I felt quite good, obviously, after as a fan to see after getting sort of polished by the storm last week. Granted, very different class um, of opposition. But big difference those those two guys make to the team, Brett Morris and Hargraves, and sort of reassured me a little bit in the sense of, okay, as we start to get some of our top guys back, um, the Roosters are obviously a, a much better team. And they're sort of more in the identity of the way they play footy. So that's what's going to be the test in these next few weeks. You know, we've we've got potentially Tupo coming back this week. Um and the couple of uh, a few weeks after that, Crichton and Cordner as would would be due back, and then obviously Sonny Bill coming in, and then you got Kiri to come back around around seventeen, around eighteen as well, or maybe later. I don't know. It depends if they sort of keep him off a bit longer. And you've got those four games against the rest of the eight, so 
it could almost just work out just well enough in that they get these guys back in time as they come into this run into the finals, which will be play basically play, try and play that you're going to beat everyone left. You're going to beat the bottom four and then play, hopefully finish fourth and try and win that first game to get a week off to win two more games to win another title. So can they get the fit right? Win and they get Sonny back in. Like, look, they, they, as a Panthers fan, if you were to finish first and then you ended up playing the Roosters, who have just got their team back together and have come off, you know, a few wins, peeled off a few wins off a few of these teams, you know, that's like, fuck, that's our reward for, you know, losing one game this year. <laughs> you know, that's a, it's a scary opposition to come up against. So um, they can, they're definitely a threat, but whether they can get those guys back, Obviously, we looked so great, you know, in that first five rounds. We had all our, all our guys and it was early on. But these, these in, where the way injuries have happened, I just hope that it's not just going to be we're going to be missing a couple guys throughout and we might just be a little short and tired and exhausted from, from all of it. I don't know. Or maybe it'll work out as a blessing. So it's hard. There's a jerkle and hide there. No doubt. Yeah, well, I think, I think um, sort of, you know, at the time when Sonny Bull sort of was mentioned, it sort of didn't feel like he was really going to offer too much. But sort of as the pieces are sort of coming together and we can see, you know, we're still going to get, we've still got all these players coming back into the team. Uh, the inclusion of Brett Morris and and Hargo's on the weekend, bang, you fucking nailed it just then and there, is it was more guys, sorry, not more guys, Two of our more experienced guys that have displayed and do display and execute, sort of as Robbo likes to put it, the Roosters' white. You know, yeah. it's just uh, fast, furious, with no excuses. And the guys are just find opportunities as well. You know, Brett Morris is. There's a reason why Brett and Josh Morris score a lot of tries. You know, yeah. they're just always around the ball. And there's a reason why Hargraves runs over the top of people and people love playing with him. And all the percentages for their records. And then, and then after that, we're going to add into Tupo coming in this week or next week. And then, you know, as you said, all those players are sort of just coming back slowly but surely. And it starts to mean that... And you've got like a six-week run, potentially. Six, eight weeks is what these guys are coming into. Yeah, exactly. So they're, they're a bit rested. And then it's starting to think, where do you reckon Sonny Bill will be playing the first round of the finals? I think there's a fair chance he'll be wearing the 13. So you reckon he'll be starting? Why not coming off the bench? I think he will come off the bench throughout the rest of this regular season. Um, I think there's a fair chance he could start in the first final. Why? I think he's going to offer a lot. Um you know, what we've missed a lot in Victor Radley and we've played a very different style 13, you know, in, and so many different guys have played there because we've had so many injuries. So he's just got that second phase playing him. He's got a bit of ball playing. He's what, you know, he's, he's, this guy's been around winning football so much. And the way this game is played, like it's, it has that extra pace and up the middle and just trying to get momentum. And on offload is, you like we were talking the other day about it's an extra tackle. You've got to make you've got to make the defender tackle again. So those guys are so valuable. And I think he just could be up for it. Now I'm not saying I don't think he's gonna play eight minutes, but I think he could start like in a finals game where you just go, 
bang, this guy's out here. Like he's played Bledisloe Cups. He's played World Cup finals. He's won premierships. Like he's won titles all over the world. He's won boxing titles. Like this guy is a champion. And he's, you know, so many of you look at the rest of that Roosters team and where they see him and how high respect they hold from him and his, the influence he had in 13 and 14. Man, that guy's just special. So people, I think, are underestimating a little bit. You know, I know he's 35. Cameron Smith is 35. 37. Some great people are just great sometimes. Yeah. And, you know, it, it just... You're right, our, our middles have all just played sort of... Um, we've gone back to playing with three front rowers. Yeah. And, and that's okay if that's all you have. But we knew that the, sort of the way that we play, the way that Kiri's allowed to be Kiri, the way for to allow the halfback to be the halfback and to relieve a little bit of like actual, literal, not pressure of responsibility, literal pressure from the defensive line with Victor Radley being able to ball play, literally dive straight into the line if you needed to dive into the line and still get the ball away. Yeah. Um, Sonny Bull might not be able to go to the depths as what Victor Radley can do, but he can still offer another point of attack to relieve the pressure off those two halves. And because he comes in so late into the season, it's difficult for all these opposing defensive coaches to be able to figure out how they're going to go about doing it. Yeah. About how they're going to try and uh, nullify that, that extra point of attack to be able to still have that same sort of pressure on, on Kiri and on Tedesco. Because come the finals, I feel as though the squads are going to figure out how to, are going to not be able to successfully make it, you know, okay, we've got this checklist and we're going to be able to do this against the Panthers. But I think by the time the finals come, the checklist will be out there. So mm-hmm. then the defensive strategies now know, now know what they need to execute. And then if they can do that on the game day, they'll be able to. If they'll be able to beat Penrith. If they aren't able to do it, they might struggle to beat Penrith. But at the moment, it doesn't look to seem as any of these squads or any of these teams have sort of have found the answer to what you need to try and nullify with the Panthers. That that's going to be the problem with the for opposing teams against the Roosters is they're not going to have the answers on how to nullify the Roosters because they've got by round seventeen or eighteen. They've got a new guy coming in. He's going to change. Just ask a few different questions. The rest of the roosters don't really need to alter too much. But what's going to happen is they're going to they're going to free up, free up those sort of creative players. I feel because he's going to be taking a lot of attention. And also, um, you know, when you look back to those early rounds post the COVID break, um, when the roosters won five in a row, there's plenty of people saying, "How are you going to stop this team?" and you basically got that could have that whole team back with Sonny in for, for Victor. So it's not a bad replacement. Yeah. So, yeah, it's exciting. It's exciting. And obviously, it's going to be a really interesting final series, you know. It's when, not when a bad replacement play. also because, sorry, it allows uh, Isaac Liu, Nat Butcher, and Satili Tupanu to all go back to the bench. Mm. Yeah. Whereas at the moment, you know, two of those guys are starting. Yeah. Two of those guys are starting. Sometimes you might get Isaac Lou starting. Sometimes it might be Butcher. But, you know, this isn't a knock on those two guys. But when you can move those guys back to the bench, mm. 
that just shows how good that starting squad is. And the Roosters have had one of Hargraves or Takiyaho out a little bit over the last three or four weeks as well. So that means Lindsay Collin is starting as well. And he's not that impact off the bench. So and it's no, but it's it's been great. You've seen a few more of these guys debuted this year. These Max Bailey's and uh, Fafida and um, uh, Young Freddie Bussick. So and look, you look back at three years ago, Lindsay Collins debuted, played like two or three games. Then he played like fifteen games, and now he's a you know key part of this this team. So um, the depth of squads is what's going to be um, pretty important, I think, as you you can't get the run home. Like it's it's obviously. It's pretty obvious, no doubt, that you want you can't, you don't want to have injuries to key players, but it's quite often the fittest teams that can go the distance down the end of the year. So, um, hopefully, for Roosters fans and the Roosters side, they can um, avoid that uh, bad luck if, towards the back end of the year. Um, but that's what the, say the Panthers have going for them. They've been very fit, or you haven't had a lot of injuries. Parramatta the same, not too many injuries. Whereas the Roosters and the Storm have had quite a few. Um, quite a few guys missing throughout, and and obviously a, a bunch of other teams, you know, throughout the list as you go down to or through the eight. So exciting final series. You're gonna have a couple of really experienced teams coming up against a couple of sort of newbies to the big kids table. Yeah. Um, but then I think that bottom half of the eight will be pretty exciting too. They'll be exciting games. You know, it's pretty much. I think we can all agree it's locked in that that's who the rest of the eight is going to be, barring a minor miracle um, from. Uh, I don't know, the Warriors seem most likely to me out of those four teams. Yeah. If you look at the four teams and Knights, who would you say most likely? Tigers. Tigers. Yeah. What about the... I just can't believe that they continually finish ninth. They're just... A, they're just... I don't know. I, I don't know. Just I feel like they're just a club that's... A, t- a club that makes up numbers in a competition. It's... Look, it's, he's sort of on the money what Maguire's trying to do in that, like, the, th- the reason why they are ninth is because they're getting in all those coin flips, like Robert said, and they just their defence is not there. But they just, yeah, they just don't seem to have... They don't have the attitude in their, the leadership of that side, in that squad. In that you know they made their Little parts of it that just... The fact that they play, they play like four different home grounds. Like, you know, they don't really have enough soul or identity in who they are. Oh, they've had some the biggest mistake was when they let uh, Paul Bobrovsky go down to Melbourne. Okay, yeah, they got Grant, they got um, Harry Grant, so maybe it wasn't that big a mistake. But they should have let BJ Lenoir go down to Melbourne. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, he's not the kind of guy like, and you look at a few of the guys like, and Russell Packer, he's always got, pen- he gives away a dumb penalty as well. Like, it's sort of just. I don't know. They have they've had that flair, and they they have the flair and exciting part of you know their identity that they maybe had in Benji's early years. Um, they have that in patches and moments too, and, and certain talent and players they have in their team. But they just they generally lack grit, and that's such a big part of rugby league. You know that flashy stuff. That's you know that's the fancy stuff that's on the highlights. Not the fucking hard yards that the number eights and the number tens go out there and lay a platform for to to make but that. What, great what photo? What image do they show at the end of all those highlight reels? Players celebrating. The premiership winners from yeah. the previous year. It's always they always save that for the end to show what what everyone's there for. 
you know. Uh, all right, well, enough about the Roosters. We'll, we'll talk about the Roosters uh, leading in for the rest of the finals because that's just what we will be doing. That'll be taking up the most of our focus, you know, 24-7, regardless just on the show. But also, starting from next week, we're going to do a little uh, preview into the rest of the top eights running right to the finals. All right, so... Uh, but um, we'll talk about this week's match in focus. Parramatta Seal versus the Sydney, South Sydney Rabbitohs. How do you see that shaping up? Yeah, look, a uh, bit of a contrast in games there that they've both come off. Um, obviously, Parramatta are tight fought, grinding 14-0 win over the Storm and the, the Bunnies who just towel up a pretty hapless Seagulls side, 50 points on the board. There's always that risk, isn't there, when you, you have a team that put 50 points in one week and how they come into the next game? Um, Manly, 50 ooh. points. Manly, oh, mate, we said this a few weeks ago. Uh, I sort of get blinded by Desi Hazard because I have this, uh, um, you know, fascination with him. But they've been atrocious defensively pretty much wow. since they lost Turbo. And it's been unacceptable. He can't do all the tackles. But anyway, yeah. sorry, back to South Sydney. Yeah, they, um, geez, they were, they were good though. You know, they've got the, a pretty electrifying skill players and, and back line and they just put them to the sword. But their forward pack's really sort of growing. They just blew them off the park. They played great. And this is, you know, all year... What are the most common thing I feel like I've said with South is they can't hold on to the ball. They just they drop the ball early in the tackle count. They they create turnovers. They put their defense under pressure, and I think they comp- completed at like ninety percent. You know, they didn't drop the ball. They didn't complete, and they when they get those ball out to guys like Latrell and Cody Walker and Cook starts getting you know um, momentum out of out of the dummy half. They just get they're hard to stop on those edges. So much tougher contest against Parramatta. Like Manly have been awful defensively. Parramatta have been the best defensively this year. So that's a whole other test. And I think it, normally you would say this, it would be, might be a bit much for, for the Bunnies, but Parramatta haven't been great for the past month and a half, really. So it's a test for them. I think it's going to be, they've got a lot more to face than what the depleted storm attack they had coming at them. If yeah. they can complete like that, especially if South can complete complete like that. Yeah, I can't see South completed like that again. Like you said, there's a reason why they dropped the ball a lot in the first tackle or the second tackle. Where they just completely uh, continually turn the ball over. They're not going to get away with pushing so many passes. And I feel like when you're on a roll, you're on a roll. They look like a team that know when they're hot and they can, they can keep running hot. But <coughs> for me... I wasn't too convinced. There's a few of those tries. They looked flash, but they were quite poor as well, defensively for Manly. So, um, yeah, well, I can't, I can't see South Sydney being Parramatta. Yeah, look, you're also, you're also not going to take a lot from a team that beats a team that's not going to play finals footy and puts a big score up. That's not the game that you learn a lot from. It's the big scout that, that, uh, that you win in, in a big tight, big moment or yeah. great performance against a quality team. Yeah, look, yeah, I would, I would be surprised, but I wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me. Like, oh, you know, I, I could see it happening, but I don't expect it to. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. I just feel like Parramatta just haven't, Parramatta haven't quite found themselves in being able to put enough pressure on the scoreboard and like put teams away and be as dominant. So I think that just their defense has been strong and held them out, but because they haven't been able to put enough, like they haven't scored twenty points in. 
I think like four weeks, four or five weeks. So that puts you back in the coin flip, you know? Souths can score points. They have, they're dangerous enough they could get a couple tries and that just puts a bit of pressure on them. So it, it's a, I think it's a big enough test. I think Parramatta should win. Then, and they really should win if they think that they're a premiership threat this year. But, yeah. you know, we'll, we never know. We never if they know. win, if Parramatta win uh, 8-4, 12-4, 12-0, 14-0, you know, it's close contest, but they don't score too many points again. I reckon they're showing to everyone, they're showing to the world and saying to everyone, shame, uh, that they're just worried about themselves. They don't care about the white noise. They don't care what the, the naysayers are saying. They don't care about the haters. They don't care about the Melbourne Storm. They don't care about the Sydney Roosters. All they're worried about themselves. Now, that, that, that's what I'm going to get out of this week because if they continue to win gritty, I'd rather see teams win gritty than than to see win like how now Panthers their defense has been solid as well. So it's not saying they it's not saying that they're not winning, they're not playing gritty. But you know, they've lost a couple of second halves. They're not necessarily let teams in, but they've sort of, you know, taken their foot off the gas. Um and yeah, so they they're winning comfortably. And we, we touched on it before you you don't learn too much out of your wins, but you can learn more out of a gritty win than a comfortable win, especially when you're letting teams back into matches. Mm-hmm. Not back into matches, sorry. Just letting teams score a couple of late trials against you just because the, the job's been done. Yeah, um, I, but, I was going to say, and granted, like, you definitely feel happier about if you, if you weren't quite getting points right, but your defence is not leaking, than the other way around. If you're getting scoring points, but you've got holes in your defence, that you're going to be more worried about that going into it. Exactly right. And I think that's why Melbourne, Manly, sorry, South Sydney, sorry, might have a little bit more to worry about than, than Parramatta. Although Parramatta, you know, South Sydney can score tries, they can also concede a bit. And it ain't like yeah. Parramatta ain't got some strike with them. You know, they've got yes. Mark Madison short lane on the edges. Uh, you know, Michael Jennings, form of his career. Wonga Blake, form of his career. The Gutherino, King Gutho at the back. You know, Dylan Brown's finding his, his feet, you know, in first grade. He's getting up to around, what is it? He's over 30 matches now. He's getting up around the 30, 50 mark of first yep. grade matches. So, you know, South City haven't got their defence on. Paramount will make you pay. And their defence is on. So, South are going to have to complete it 90% if they even want to want to try and penetrate. Ma- massive test for their forward pack, too. When you think about who they've got to come up against. Parramatta, I think, run the most metres this year. Be a good... RCG and Junior Paulo and Nathan Brown just so much momentum and post. And when they've, met, when they've met a forward pack that have probably up through the middle, so they get probably better than them. Big they don't necessarily get beaten up per se, but when they meet a forward pack that's you know probably better than them, they they don't necessarily get over the top of a forward pack that's better than them. And Parramatta yeah. forward pack is better than the South Sydney forward pack at the moment, anyway. Yeah, well, it's really going to have to be... You're going to need to see some some special stuff from guys like the Cody Walkers, um, Reynolds, Mitchell, you know. Yeah. You're going to need to see some some flair and, and some stuff created from those guys. Yeah, now, I'm, we're going to talk cool. about the basketball in a short minute, but just before we talk about the basketball, I've left this late in the show, purposely, because um, there is no... There is no segment on our show for this. It's just something that I noticed on the weekend where Mitchell Pierce uh, was a... Uh, the Knights gave away a penalty close to their try line. And instead of just getting back onside, as he bloody should anywhere on the football field anyway, 
Or if he's not going to rush back on site and he's going to have a complaint about the, the reason why a penalty was awarded, I think he needs to start challenging. Because on the weekend, who did they play on the weekend? Was it the, the Cowboys? He gives away a penalty uh, 15 metres out from his trial on or so. He doesn't give away the penalty. He's just at the tackle. Not to give away a penalty. And instead of getting back on side, he turns around to the ref, starts complaining to the ref, going, oh, mate, like it's fucking 2012 again. Mate, they can take a quick tap. Or if you don't like the call, you can challenge it. Stop fucking crying about the decision and thinking you can just stroll back on side because, again, you're fucking too busy worrying about the bloody no penalty that you should have just challenged if you thought it wasn't a penalty. And they fucking scored. Well, they didn't score. You got sent to the bed that time. You still gave away two points. It didn't cost you the game. But it, it's just it's just a mentality that he hasn't really transitioned over mm. to realising that the bridge yeah. to the cap, to the refs is re, is is redundant. And it was just a silly play and a silly penalty. You look at he turned to make the tackle and he had his whole defense. The rest of his team was on the line. They're making the tackle. And he's fallen into him. So just really a brain fade all around in life. Oh, he shouldn't have even got involved in the I I, I yeah. have a feeling that Cohen Hess ran straight at him. He knew what he was doing. He's like, oh, yeah, oh, you're it's a good play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, he ran straight at him. Um but he like he, there was a whole defensive line behind him. He didn't have to get involved in the tackle. Yeah, true. Um, you're a, a bit, bit smarter in that situation. But just felt it like, like, no, it didn't cost him, but it's definitely... It's not what you want to see uh, as a Knights fan if you get down to some really big games. He's the captain. And, yeah. It's not, about, it's not about that it's going to cost him. Like, what happens if you do it? It's, mate, you are supposed to be leading the trend of the reaction to a penalty. The reaction to a penalty is to get back on side and start to defend. No. Yeah. Cry to the referee because the rules change now. You can't cry to the referee. You challenge it or you get on with the game. You don't yeah. cry about it. And that, that's why it's frustrating. It's not, it's not going to cost him a grand final because he is going to rush back. But it's the whole idea of, mate, you're the captain. You should be leading the way to everyone else to tell them we don't cry about fucking penalties. And like you fucking said, all 12 of them were there ready to do their job except for the main guy who should be showing them what to do. Yeah. Anyway, sorry about that, Mitchell. I don't like getting up here too much, but, you know, that that's the second time this season that I've watched with my own eyes seeing you whinging when you could have just challenged if you had a problem. Well, just, I was going to say, just quickly, on those nights, you know, you look at, unfortunately, like, they're a, there's a team with a horror injury run. You know, yeah. when they look like they found a solution and they can got Pong and roaming beautifully with Blake Green there, he goes down as well. Like, where where do they go from there? You know, are they going to replace the six and keep Kurt Mann at nine or do they put Kurt Mann back at six? What do you think is better? They could get Tex Hoy at six. Yeah, he seems to be on the outer a bit. He hasn't been on the bench anymore and that Crossland's been playing. I suppose he's been, maybe he's better hooker. Yeah. Yeah, well, maybe maybe he's probably down the pecking order again. Maybe that, that's. And they got Mason. They got Mason Lino as well. Mason Lino, um, yeah. and then they've got Tom Starling, uh, Randall. Sorry, Starling. They've got that Chris Randall who can play hooker. If they put Man at six, 
Um, but yeah, it does hurt them, the Knights. They were just starting to look a little bit more, you know, smooth with having that uh, extra sort of proper coordinator. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't have to do too much. And he can still, his Pierce is still going to play both sides, but he doesn't have to do as much. And Ponga can just go and be Ponga. Yeah, yeah. Just go be Kalen. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I'll, I'll chat to you about the basketball today. You know, Boston, they brought out their broomsticks. They swept Philly. <laughs> they gave a little sweep under the carpet. You know what I mean? Sweep them under the carpet. Move on to the next game. Uh, yeah. Richie, how is the, the playoff shaping up? How, how are they looking? Uh, yeah, well, uh, look, the, the, East, uh, the East's first round series are looking to be all pretty much done. Um, Boston and Toronto both finished off sweeps. Um, Toronto just completely blown out a Nets team um, who unfortunately missing too many guys. Again, sorry, Wick, another one of your uh, total wins club teams. Uh, could have been part of a trade. Could have been part of a trade. Couldn't get you any more wins in the playoffs. So. Um, great bubble team, though. Surprisingly great bubble team for you, Wick. Okay. So... That, those two teams will be playing um, soon. Um, I think they're pushing forward the, the next series as soon as they're available to be played. So the Celtics coming up against the Raptors, um, that's going to be an epic series. Unfortunately, there's no Gordon Hayward. He's probably not going to be there for the whole series. Maybe he could be back at the back end potentially, but he's, he's out injured. So that it leaves Celtics down a guy, but they've got the best guy in the series. They've got Jason Tatum. Um, and that wing combo of Tatum and Brown, you got Kemba, Marcus Smart, just doing Marcus Smart things. You know, they just got a lot of really good wings that they can throw at you, and they're really strong and feisty defensively, and they can beat you a lot of different ways. So they're going to be tough. And then Toronto are even deeper. You know, today Toronto scored 150 points, and they got 100 points off their bench. Like, so they just they're deep, and they've got a lot of guys that can throw it throw at you as well. And they won the title last year. Yeah. So, yeah, they lost Kawhi and Danny Green, but they've shown that they've still got such a great team. So, it's a scary team, the Raptors. They could be a little bit... One of these two teams is a bit smoky all the way through. There's the top four teams in the East are all really good. Yeah. So, um... Who, who, my, the two, the, um, who are they waiting to play if the winner... Like, so there's obviously two... On the other side of the draw? Yeah, yeah so you got... Um, yeah, yeah. But in the East... Yeah. Yeah, so you've got my, uh, Miami's playing Indy. So it's 3-0 at the moment to Miami. They look like they're probably going to sweep the paces. So they're playing, um, playing again on, on Tuesday. Oh, so and Miami are doing okay because they've got, they've got a lot of fans. Or did they all disappear? No, they got a lot of fans. No, they still got a lot of fans. So, um, you know, they're, they're carving it. And they, um, they'll play the winner of the Bucks Magic Series, which is currently 2-1, but I'm not expecting the Magic to win another game. That'll be 4-1. I would expect. And so those two teams coming up against each other is a really interesting matchup. Um, Miami beat them 3-1 in there throughout the year. They played four times. And the one game that Miami lost, they were up by 17 at half time, I think. And they lost in overtime. So Miami were a problem for the Bucks throughout the year. Um, Bam Adebayo is a good enough defender to slow Giannis down and sort of make him work and make it hard for him. And what Miami do, the Bucks, they've had the, the best statistical defense throughout the, throughout the regular season. But one of the things they do in their tactic is they, um, they allow a lot of three-pointers. They allow the most three-pointers, but they protect the rim um, really strong. They're great on-ball defensively, but as they, 
they allow a lot of three-pointers. They're prepared to let teams, you know, die by the three. And Miami had the second-best three-point shooting team um, all year. They've got a lot of guys that can drain it. Duncan Robinson, uh, Tyler Hero, Butler will hit a big three when you need him. Goran Dragic is a uh, six, you know, six-man-of-the-year candidate. He's been given, you know, nearly 20 points a game off the bench. So they've got a lot of ways they can beat you. A lot of really tricky defenses they can throw at teams. They've got a lot of really long guys and really versatile playmakers. So, And Jimmy Butler's a beast. So big test for Giannis, you know. Um, that game, I feel like that series could is, is looking like a six or seven game series. So that's exciting. And same, I think both, both these series in the East could go seven. Yeah. I right, think that would be the best. Colorado, the West Conference. Well, the West, we've got, you know, there's a bit more going on as far as um, uh, these first-round series being alive. Um, How's OKC going up against Houston? Yeah, look, they got a massive big win in Game 3 um, over the Rockets. So the Rockets were up, and Chris Paul, just while Chris Paul was able to just weave his magic with that young Shea Gilgis, Alexander, and Gallinaro hitting big buckets down the stretch. Um, there was, it was like they were a couple of points behind, but managed to get a turnover hit a couple of big threes and close out um, the game in overtime and Harden fouled out. So that series is 2-1 to the Rockets. Now, Russell Westbrook hasn't played those first three games, so he's due back soon. He's been out injured. Um, but obviously, massive game for the Rockets, uh, for the Thunder, sorry, uh, for game four. You know, you go down 3-1, it's, it's just not a lot of teams that have come back from there. You know, granted, we know of a few memorable ones, but it really doesn't happen often. And if you look at the other um, side of that, so that's the 4-5 matchup. You've got the Lakers and Portland. Um, so that series is currently 2-1. Obviously, Portland smacked them in the mouth game one. I thought if you're ever going to sort of want to try and win a series as that underdog, you've really got to win that first game. And they come out, they got them. Um, but the Lakers have been pretty dominant since. Um, yeah. they, were up by, they were up by 30 in game two um, in the third quarter. And then they just like LeBron played like twenty five minutes. Can I just say? Um, can I just say something quickly? Sorry, LeBron James, first game of the series. It's like a boxer in the first round of a fight, really. I mean, he's yeah. just feeling. Yeah, if you get him, you get him. But he never, he never went to college. He said, "Yeah, you see, he don't know, no, 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 no match madness." <laughs> you know, it's true though. He does. He really works his way into a series. He'll always that. First one or two games, he's a bit more passive and just he's creating a lot for his teammates, trying to get his guys going and, you know, get buckets there, trying to work out how teams are going to go at you. And then usually in one of those game two, game three, he's going to have a big game and he's just going to be aggressive. And he showed that in game three. He had 38 points. He was getting any shot he wanted. I think he had seven, 17 free throw attempts. So he was just a beast. And you're just like, this guy's so dominant still. And, you know, he had uh, 12 rebounds and eight assists to go with that. So, uh, I th- they're going to be too good, the Lakers. Just Anthony Davis and LeBron James are just better than what Portland have to offer. Plus, Portland can't defend. Um, they couldn't defend, a, a, you know, a six-year-old playing at a, you know, a pickup game in you know, Adelaide basketball courts out the back of the, the Barossa Valley, mate. Um, there, the defense is, is, is really shocking. And the Lakers have one of the best defense in the league. So they've been they've held Paul and have quite a really strong offense. They score a lot of points. Obviously, Dane Dollar gets going, but uh, the Lakers have kept them to around 100 or under throughout this series. So that one I think will close out probably in five, maybe six if Dane can do something special again. Um, but the really the exciting series. Oh, sorry, you got another series of Utah. 
Utah against um, Denver Nuggets is a three-six matchup, and um, Donovan Mitchell star. He's he's dropped his second. Was that last year? Wasn't it? He was injured or something for most of last year. Uh, no, no, he was around. He was there. Um, it was someone else. He was there. He obviously in his rookie year they knocked out um Paul George and Russell Westbrook of the Thunder in the first round of playoffs. That was when you know you realized this guy's a fucking baller. So he drops fifty-seven in game one, and tonight in game four, Utah just Denver had the lead early and um. It really looked like a Nuggets team that was like, we're going to square this series at two all. Jamal Murray had a 45-point game. Jokic was dunking. Um, but Jazz was just too good. Mitchell, 50 points. It was phenomenal. And he was like 18 of 31. Like really efficient. Draining threes, getting to the line. Like, just dominant. Like, this guy's a beast. Um, so, two 50-point games in a series. Phenomenal. So, Utah, 3-1 up. Um, Only two other the, players have ever done that. Uh, a 50-point game in, in a playoff series? Two, two 50-point I'm not sure. I'd have to go back to the video ref to, to find that out. I can tell you. I can okay. tell you. Michael Jordan and Alan Iverson. Thanks I to am. the report. There you go. There you go. Um, well, then, if you're on another record-breaking night is the other series, which is probably the most exciting series in the West at the moment. And yep. that's the Clippers up against the Mavericks. Okay. Um, Luca Magic to the, uh, today. Wow, sensational. You know, Paul Zingas out injured. Luca Maverick. Luca Magic. Oh, Luca Magic. Luca doesn't need, you don't need to say his last name anymore. He's just Luca. That's the talent that he is. He is just one name. Um, No Paul Zingas. Paul Zingas is out injured. Luca rolled his ankle in game three and and didn't play, played like only half a game, which the the Clippers won. So the Clippers are up 2 1 going into this game. Luca, game time decision, comes out and plays and just puts on a masterclass. The Clippers were up 21 points in the second quarter. Mavericks came back, sent the game to overtime, and Luca hits a three on the buzzer to win it for the Mavericks. 42 points, 17 rebounds, 13 assists. Phenomenal. Um, Kawhi did Kawhi, you know, he, he got his, but you know, he, he found it tough on Luca. Luca was able to still sort of find his shot and is, um, really. Is Luca, is Luca the best European for the Dallas Mavs since Jack Nowitzki? Definitely, definitely. And he could go, and he, and he, he'll probably go down as their greatest. Wow. I honestly like this guy, Luca Doncic is going to be a multiple time MVP. He's going to need at least two championships. Multiple MVP, multiple championships. This guy's a fucking winner. This guy's 21. He's 21. And he just took on Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and just went, let's go, bitches. And fucking just drained a three in Kawhi's face on the buzzer. Kawhi won't like that. So it's 4-4. It's 2-2. 2-2. 2 So, you know, obviously, look, the Clippers should win. They've got a better team. But they just haven't – they haven't had their guys – They've got this sort of really deep and strong, talented team. Um, two really good stars in Kawhi and Paul George. Um, depth in a lot of their bench. But they've had so many guys out throughout. They haven't really played all together that much. And then they've had another break again. That was always the knock on their team. Was in the few times when they've been able to sort of be together, they've had really moments of just unstoppable basketball. But then there's just been a lot of cold in between. And they're kind of an on and off team which you normally see out of like, you know, that championship team that's, that's won one or two titles and they're sort of year four or something. Like, the, you know, the Warriors, like you've earned this championship respect because you've won the title. You've been there and done that. Now you sort of 
all right, we're going to switch back on to that intensity that we need to be ready for um, when it matters. But you haven't earned that. You know, they haven't earned that. So a bit of a scare for them. I'm um, yeah. really exciting to see how it plays out. I hope just Luca can send this series as long as possible. Okay, so uh, we've got you've got the Lakers getting uh, getting through round one. Uh, you've got Utah. They're going to get overdone with the with the um, the Nuggets. The nuggets. Yeah, I would, they're, get over, I would, they're already three one, aren't they? Three one. Have to come back from three one. Um, so you've got those two. So the next one, don't tell me, don't tell me. There's obviously that much there. Was this four five? No, this is two seven. Okay, two seven. So two, seven. You, you think the and, Clippers, and you think the Clippers will get it done, but you hope that uh, Luca can take it to seven. I hope he can take it as long as I hope they. I hope the Mavericks can win and be an exciting story. But who do you um, think's gonna win? I think I would think the Clippers will be like Kawhi. As you get back to the end, back end of those games, I think they're just gonna have enough. But it's scary. It's gonna be tough for them. But yeah. if I had to, pick, if I had to pick, I'd pick the Clippers. Okay, and I'm going to get you to pick between the Rockets and the Thunder. The Rockets. I don't know. Rockets. Rockets. Okay. Well, there you go. So, pretty much just the top four. Yeah, so it's, it'd probably... Well, yeah, the Rockets were technically fifth, I think, but... You know. Oh, okay. Same with Miami. Miami was fifth, but it was because it did matter in those last games because they knew they were going to play each other. So, um, you know, they sort of tanked them. Sort of, not tanked, but they're not too worried about a couple of those last seeding games. So, it... it if it plays out that way, you'd probably, you would have the, the Lakers up against the Rockets, which would be a really contrasting series. Um, the Rockets are playing this ultimate small ball basketball. Um, Robert Covington's playing center. Robert Covington is a wing. He's six foot seven. So they've all got all these guys who are sort of between six five and six eight out there. They're yeah. shooting you call 50. Him a wing. You call them a wing. How, how tall are wings? Sort of, they're usually, they, their wings, usually because they played that sort of shooting guard, small forward position, they're somewhere around that six, five would be the smallest, probably six, six to six, nine, maybe six, six to six, ten. They're, they're, you know, they're kind of fast and athletic, but they've got length or they've got quite long arms. Um, and they usually sort of explosive to be able to get it, get to the rim, but also be able to shoot. And so That's this guy's six, seven, he's six, seven. He's playing in the he's playing in the center position, so called the five. Um, yeah. And how big is usually a five man of the center guy? Usually between six ten to seven plus feet. They're usually usually, around, usually around a footer. Um, Daniel Tice is not as big. He's about a six nine six ten. But this sort of small ball, the big guy now. There's a lot of teams that have that big guy, but they, you know they're not playing as many minutes now. They're playing. They might play. Teams might play between ten to to fifteen. Um, minutes with a big guy, sorry, 15 to 20 minutes with a big guy out there. And they've got a lot of lineups when they're sending out a lot of versatility. You know, a lot of guys that can do a lot of things that can, they can create a little bit, they can get there, they can shoot a bit and they can sort of defend against multiple guys. It's kind of the evolution of where basketball's gone with uh, a lot with how the Warriors have been successful over time and just this, this three point revolution. So um, then you've got the Lakers who have, so they've got, you know, that's, they've got this, all these wings and just they're going to shoot 50 to 63s a game and they're just going to... Who, the know, Lakers or the Rockets? The Rockets. The Rockets. Um, and they're just going to sort of try and run up and down the court and that's sort of what they're going to try and beat you with math a bit. Whereas the Lakers, they've got a really dominant defence, but they've, got, they've been playing a lot of big, big lineups. They've been playing with Anthony Davis at the four and then having JaVale McGee start, and then also Dwight Howard, they're getting a good 25 to 30 minutes out of those guys. Um, and then you've got Anthony Davis next to him, 
LeBron James next to him, who's six nine. Uh, LeBron, LeBron James standing next to Anthony Davis. Not a lot of height difference between them. And Anthony Davis looks like a big man out there. Can I interrupt you? Can I interrupt you? you so I just heard you say that Dwight Howard is playing for the Lakers. Correct. So has someone managed to rid him of his illness of of being uh, uh, a detriment, you could say, to to his basketball side. Where's this all come from? Well, maybe LeBron, LeBron has been able to. He was been effective. He's a guy who's come off the bench for him and get, played sort of that ten to twenty minutes a night, depending on where they've needed him. He's contributed. He's gone out there and taken alley oops, got rebounds, hustled, and hasn't seemed to piss enough people off too much. Maybe LeBron's been able to do it. You know, LeBron's the leader of that team, so he's obviously given the okay to say, "Hey, um, you know, Dwight, you can come back." So, you know, we'll yeah, see. Well, Plenty of playoff lets for a Dwight blow up. Well, well, hopefully for the Lakers and all those Lakers fans, Dwight can maintain his form. Anyway, I think we're going to have to call that a, a night there tonight, Kaz. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure, as it is always every week. Uh, match and focus, we, we've got to keep an eye out there for Parramatta versus South City Rabbitohs. But obviously, we're going to also keep a close eye out on on the Roosters. Uh, get behind us on Instagram, Facebook, Two of the Tackle, at Two of the Tackle. Uh, chuck us in your story. Like us, share us, tell your friends, tell your friends, friends, tell your friends, 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 friends. Um, and yeah, keep an eye out for the dummy file. They'll be on warnings though, but if you guys can catch some, let us know how we go. If it's a pretty, if it's a pretty blatant one, though, you know, there's no no regard for the rest of the team. It's Sorry, kind of last tackle, last tackle, and you're straight in, you're straight in. Yeah. Anyway, we'll see how we go. Anyway, it's a pleasure. Up the chooks, up chookies.